that's about how we felt uh, the blurriness of that is probably how our vision looked the day that we walked down the aisle. So you kind of get the picture of what they were doing and what the kids were saying and what they were going through. And um, if you'll pull the picture up that's of our, I think we have one from our wedding of all of us. Um, there we go. That was all of our sweet angels at our wedding. So we, we have um, six boys, one girl, um, as you can tell. And all of the kids were in the wedding. My two oldest gave me away. And, um, and then um, I'm going to use, um, for the sake of so you know who I'm talking about, I'm going to say, you know, my stepdaughter, my step, just for the sake of you knowing that. We don't like to introduce them that way, but just so you know who I'm talking about. Casey was the only girl, and uh, she's Craig's second born. So she was my maid of honor. And then the boys, of course, were ring bearers and and helped us uh, and walked me in. So it was quite an interesting wedding. And of course, I walked into it with rose colored glasses thinking everybody's going to love each other, right? Just because Craig and I loved each other. So everybody was going to love each other. So we had a little surprise on, on that end. Um, it didn't quite work out that way. Um, and, and then you'll hear a little bit more about this from Craig, but blended families blend you know, not on a time frame, not on a, they've got their own time schedule. It'll happen, you know, pretty much when the kids say it's going to happen. So uh, um, we are a miracle in progress. We're still a work in progress. We're not a perfect family. We've been married 21 years. Um, we just became empty nesters a few short years ago. So as I always say, our honeymoon just began. Yes. So there's something, you know, to work towards. And, um, and so, so that comes at the end. That's your reward. Um, I want to say to all of you guys, um, you know, we heard something really interesting one time when we were listening to Andy Stanley. He called it second marriage grace. Because I think so many times, no matter if you're the one that left in a marriage or, or if you were left, you have, um, you carry around some baggage, um, I know we came into our marriage thinking that we didn't have much baggage or that we had gotten rid of it, but I turned around and there it was. I still had some. And, and so did Craig, and we had to work through some of that. So thank goodness that God has grace and that he forgives. And that's why, you know, he, I think in a car, the, the window, the rearview mirror is a lot smaller than the window going forward. And that's because I always think of that analogy because he wants us to look ahead and to not look behind, okay? Um, you know, when you look back, that's where the enemy has the opportunity to come in. And it's really, it's really uh, you know, even though we've been married 21 years, and this morning I was up and I was excited, but I couldn't sleep. I was sharing with Art that I'd gotten up and I decided, well, I'm just laying here in bed, tossing and turning. I could be more productive if I get up, go have some coffee, sat in the den, was having just my quiet time, and, you know, praying about today and praying for the people that will be here today. And out of nowhere, I get this, you know, you could have done better when you all first got married with the kids. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, I sure could have. 
And I mean, this conversation went on for a couple of minutes. I should have not let it go on for two seconds, but it went on for a couple of minutes. And I sat there and I started thinking, yeah, I know. I should have done this. I should have done that. Why didn't I think of that? Wow, how did we miss that? And all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was feeling down. <laughs> it's like, why am I even going to speak today? And I had to quickly recognize, and I mean quickly, it should have been way quicker than even two minutes that I sat and listened to this negative junk in my head, the tapes that go, that we have that go over and over in our head. And I had to stop and say, no, that's not who I am. That's who I was. That doesn't dictate who I am today. That doesn't dictate where our family's going in the future. You know, God is redeeming us. And devil, you're a liar. And thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to this place. And I began to just start praying over everybody here today, over our family, over our children, over our marriage. But I'm just telling you, that is how quick something can go from good to, to negative. And that's what he likes to do is get in your head and play those tapes over. I mean, I haven't said something like that to myself in years, and it just came out of nowhere. So I just want you to know and to be able to recognize that that's where he always wants to take you is back to your failures and what you did wrong. But God has a better plan. Um, that's right. The enemy wants you to look back. Um, God is for you, and, he, um, and he's there to do a great thing. And that's the only reason that we made it 21 years. People ask us, what was your secret? Our secret was is that we didn't give up. We didn't quit. You know, our kids had already seen a failed marriage. They need to see something work. And it didn't mean that there weren't valleys. There were a lot of valleys. There were mountaintop experiences too, but there were valleys as well. And probably those are the times when I could look back and say we learned the most. And it was during some of the toughest times and that we grew the most and that you know, our faith grew the most. Um, but it, I just want to share with you this morning about the quiet time that that... Uh, that can come up and sneak up from anywhere. Um, another thing that we did is that we, we, we reached out when we needed to and sought help. Every now and then, we needed a third-party, you know, person to come in because, you know, I just, when he was wrong, I just had to call up my life coach. <laughs> she goes here, matter of fact. It's Art and Sherry's daughter, Dana, and she's a tough one. We've been best friends for 30 years, but when I would step in that office, you know, I'd look up a few times and go, what, what are you doing? It's me. <laughs> Tell him something. Why are you telling me all that? So um, there were times when we, we needed some third-party help, and um, just so it just so happened that I picked somebody that was really tough and uh, really got in there and got after it with us and helped us get some things resolved. Um, so don't ever be afraid to think that, well, if I'm doing that, that means that I'm a failure or we can't work it out. Um, I think that's wise. I think that's really wise to get, you know, to all, you know, to get, step out and get other help. Um, pray for each other um, and over your family. And pray together in the mornings. That's important. Um, um, we always have a date night. Sometimes we, you know, take trips. That always helps. But if you can't do that, have date nights. If you can't do date nights, just go sit somewhere and have coffee. 
go sit in the car somewhere. I mean, just get out, get out of the environment of the kids and spend time alone together. And this next thing is really hard to do. Can't talk about kids, can't talk about business, can't talk about work. You can talk about y'all, your goals, your dreams. That's all, because boy, do we know how easy it can get to get away from home and start talking about, well, this kid and what we need to do and what's going on here. And this is back when we had um, six out of seven playing sports. So we could easily get off and start talking about kids and stuff going on. And then if it wasn't that, it was business. And then even now, then it's ministry. So when we get away, it's about us. Okay? Um, so if anybody were to ask me how we made it, I'd say God was first. It's a triangle. If you can envision a triangle and God's at the top and Craig's at one end, I was over here at the other. And as we grew, not, not putting each other at the top, but keeping God at the top, and as we grew closer to God, we were actually growing closer to each other. See? And so many times I think we think we've got to grow closer to each other, and that solves everything. That's not it. This is who solves everything. We grow closer to him. We were actually growing closer to each other. So we met 21 years ago, no, 25 years ago on a blind date. Yes, we were one of those. And, um, and maybe it was love at first sight, I think, a little bit. Okay, it was lust at first sight. Okay, Pastor Ray said I could be real transparent and honest with you guys. So I was like, oh, okay, I could do this when I opened the door, which I was sick all day long telling my mom I can't do this. I've got to cancel this. She said, no, you don't do that. You don't cancel. You don't do that the day of. Well, I was physically so sick. But then I opened the door, and I thought, I might can do this. So, um, so fast forward 21 years, and God is good. He's been faithful. Um, you know, we, we raised seven teenagers, so I have to say there was, a, there was a few little bumps in the road, and there were bumps in the road for them with us, too, because we, we can tell you about two things we did right and all the rest we probably did wrong. That's why I think I dug my heels in and fought starting this ministry is because I thought, God, why us? Why us? We've met with so many people that, that everything seemed so perfect when they blended their kids, and their kids loved them and didn't have issues. And I used to say, God, why us? And I think it's because maybe we were, people could relate that things aren't smooth always. Things aren't pretty sometimes in the trenches. Um, so to bring up my better half over here that is going to give some more, some more uh, you know, practical and bring it all together, um, I want to bring up my honey, Craig. <laughs> like that song said, I won't give up. That was, that was such a perfect song. Thank you. And you sang it beautifully. That was wonderful. There's where the family was when we started. Um, as you can see, this little kid in the very front right here is a huge kid right now. He's not little anymore. Um, then the next one, um, as they grow up, and there's, there's all seven, like Gina said, literally his, mine, and ours. And then the next slide, uh, through that process, we ended up uh, having a granddaughter, one of our kiddos, uh, had a child, and so we've just adopted her, fell in love with her, spent time with her, 
And even though those two didn't work it out, she's our granddaughter, just like anything else. And so we have a lot of fun with her. She's now, what, nine? Ten. She just turned, going to turn ten. That's right, going to turn ten. All right, then the next one. Then uh, two of our kids have gotten married. So this is my oldest son, Justin, and his bride, Kelsey. This just literally happened two months ago. Uh, She's from Colorado, so that's where they had their wedding. And then the next one is my daughter, Casey and Mac. They got married in April, so we've had a busy summer with weddings. I'm like, can we stop this for a little bit, right? And, and lo and behold, she's also now uh, pregnant. So surprise, after she comes back, she gives us a little note and says uh, uh, to Grandma and Coach, that's our grandparent names. I'm like, what? You know, and I'm brain dead half the time anyway. And it took me a while to get it. And I look at her, I go, you're pregnant? Yeah, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how'd that happen? Oh, well, never mind. Anyway. <laughs> So next slide, and then this was the last big blended event we did. This was, uh, we can see Art and Sherry on the far right end. We had a group at Hope Fellowship. Uh, Family life out of Little Rock has really championed blended families, and we've been friends with them, and we're, you know, and so that was a big event that we did here. Uh, They'll do it every year, and then this was was a blast. Uh, We uh, have a friend uh, that has a neat, neat, neat ranch in Lindale, Texas, And I asked him, I said, Mike, could we come out and use the ranch and just make a fun, fun day for our ministry? No agendas other than just to build relationships. And it was a blast. These kids, they played games, they horseback ride, they fished from the dock, they did jet ski. It was just a great time. And they're needing community, big time. And so that was a fun, fun, fun day. And you can see the end is a capital letter in forever is because... When we were trying to form the ministry, we were wrestling with a name. And one of the guys that's helped me with Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, when I told him that Gina came up with the word forever, in other words, we're blended, we're together, and then Gina just one day said, it's forever. He lit up like a Christmas tree, and he goes, that's it. I go, again, I'm slow. What's it? That's the name of your ministry, blended together forever. You make this one forever. Stake in the ground, quitting's not an option, regardless of what happened in the past. So that's why the name of our ministry is blended together forever. And Sherry at the front has got some of these wristbands and business cards, so that way you can pick us, uh, pick up the contact info for us if you want to reach out to us later. So those are little slides of, uh, I think that's the last one, isn't that right? All right. And I'm ready for, for my part. Um, again, thanks for being here very much. And when you guys get ready to ask all your questions, I'm deferring to her. So that way, she'll, I'll bring her back up, and we'll have a good old time on that. Um, let me do some fun real quick. Stand up if you're the youngest married couple. So let's start if you're 25 or younger. You're married, but the youngest couple in here that's married. Stand up if you're 25 or younger. Come on, not everybody's my age. Come on. Anybody in here that's 25 or younger that's married, stand up. Nobody? No way. Okay, well, let's go to the next one. How about been married the shortest period of time? Let me see the new ways. If you've been married one year or less, stand up. Stand up real quick. All right, we got at least a couple of folks right here. Give these guys a hand. 
All right, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, six months or less, keep standing. Three months. How, how, how long? Since April? Since January. Give these guys a hand. Good, good. All right, how about a single dad? If you're a single dad in here, I got a book for you. This was given from a good friend of mine called the Single Dad Detour. I want to, I want to whittle it down. So if you're single dads, we got one, two, two dads. All right. Keep standing if you've got two kids or more. Wow. Three kids. Four. Five. Six. Sir, you need this book. Come on down here real quick. Give him a hand. Wow. Six kids. I remember struggling with two. Holy mackerel. Anyway, hope this will bless you. All right, one more, two others just real quick. If you've got the most kids living still at home, most kids, so you've got, if you've got at least one kid, there you go. Congratulations. Bless you. Stand up real quick. If you got kids living at home, let's say everybody's got like two. Everybody's got at least two. Two or more, keep stand. Everybody stand up. <clears throat> All right. Now that's a lot of you. That's good. All right. If you've got three kids living at home, keep standing. Okay. Four kids. I'm going to tell Pastor Ray, y'all have no problem on Saturday night when y'all are alone. Okay. <laughs> Five kids or more. Six, five kids, give these guys a hand real quick. I got a book, Oneness Embraced, from Tony Evans. Here you go, pass this back. And then one other one real quick. I want to see who's been married the longest because we've got a great book, A Future and a Hope, we want to give you. You guys are mentors for marriages and families. So if you've been married, let's say at least 20 years, stand up. Let me see the veterans in here. 20 years or long. Give these guys a hand real quick. All right. How about 25 years? 30. 35. Okay, I'm not going to let you guys play. That's my parents. Sorry. 40 years. How many years have you been married, sir? 39 years. Give this guy a hand. There you go. Bless you for what you're doing for all these guys here. That's great. That, that, is, that is phenomenal. That is so good. Yeah, and my mom and dad have been married 65 years. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. Hey, I, uh, <clears throat> I got a joke for you, and then I'm going to get into my, my notes real quick. All right? Um, this guy dies, goes to heaven. St. Peter meets him at the pearly gate, and he says, uh, well, there's one test you got to pass before you can get into heaven. He goes, okay, what is it? He goes, well, when you're down on earth, you had to learn a lot of, learn to love a lot of people. Some were easy to love, some were hard to love. You know, kids, stepkids, you know, spouses, people that are problems at work, church, neighbors, whoever. So here's the test. He says, you got to spell the word love. He goes, okay, L-O-V-E. And Peter says, okay, come on in to heaven. Two weeks later go by, St. Peter's got to 
go play a game of golf. And he says, hey, I've got a tea time at 8 o'clock. Would you watch the gates for me? Sure, I'll be back at noon. So all of a sudden, two hours later, his ex-wife comes to the pearly gates. And he goes, what are you doing here? Think about that question. <laughs> and he goes, well, what are you doing here? Well, St. Peter had a golf game, so I'm watching the gate till he gets back. Uh, but, but, but there's a test, you know, to enter. You, there's one word you got to spell. And she goes, okay, what's that word? And he thinks, spell the word Czechoslovakia. All you guys that are divorced or remarried, you'll, you'll get it later. All the others are like, what? I don't get it. Okay, don't worry. You'll get it later. Um, I, I want to read you something that I think is pretty, pretty powerful um, that kind of sets up my talk. And I don't remember how long ago I got this. I think it was a couple of uh, months ago. It's called Fixing the Foundation. And I think when you see this, it really kind of puts a... Uh, uh, puts everything in perspective about where we are as a country and why these things need to be fixed. So just let me read this to you real quick. We have to start at the beginning. You don't build a solid house with laying, without laying a strong foundation. Many years ago, the foundation in America began to crumble. Dads were absent, babies were born out of wedlock, and faith took a back seat. You can't pray in schools anymore. Then there became a women's movement, and now it's okay to have an alternate lifestyle. It's even okay for a boy to switch to a girl, then a girl to switch to a boy, and back to a boy again later. What's been missing is the foundation. If you grew up with godly parents, you probably took to church. Morals, values, played team sports, learned how to share, learned how to work, and you probably had some success in life. You typically had more confidence. You went for your goals and you went for your dreams. You wanted, <clears throat> you wanted to be somebody and you also wanted to give back to humanity. You wanted to make a difference. You probably got involved in your church, a rotary club, or some community group to serve. The role was very, very positive. But if your foundation was corroded, if you were abused as a child, if your dad was absent, if your mom was verbal, verbally abused you, it probably colored your view of God. And if you turn, if we're going to turn a culture in the United States around, it's going to have to begin with the foundation and the youth. The foundation has to be solid. It has to be fixed. Moms have to nurture. Dads have to be present. Faith has to be a foundation for living. It's all a matter of truth. Everybody said the word truth. Say it again. One more time. That's what's missing in our culture. Truth today is relative. There is no truth. There's no foundation. And that's why the culture, as we all know, has been going south for a long time now. And... For us as a church to fix the foundation and to be united as one is going to take some things. When you look at marriage and when you look at family, you've got to go back to the truth. The truth was this. God created man in his image, 
and he had community. He had communion. They were one. There was a friendship. They talked. They walked. That's how God planned it. The first sin, communion was broken. Because when Adam sinned, he hid, and God goes, Adam, where are you? He was looking for Adam. It wasn't the other way around. God was looking for Adam. Where are you? He said, well, I was afraid, so I hid. So when the foundation got messed up, instead of eating from the tree of life, we obviously ate from the forbidden tree, and then sin enters the world, and then, as they say, the rest is history. In preparing for today, I, you know, there's, there's so many things we could talk about in blended families, okay? God's plan is one man, one woman for a lifetime, period. But when that model's been broken, how do you pick up the pieces? How do you take all this broken glass and, and, and create a beautiful stained glass window out of it? You can. We have. It's not easy. But it can be done. And that's why I fell in love with your pastor when he said, you know, blended families are the norm in the church today, Craig. And we've got a lot of them in our church, just like any church. And we want you and Gina to come talk. Well, kudos to Ray and to Wendy and to all of you guys, because a lot of churches still don't know how to touch blended families because they're afraid that if we endorse it or say, hey, we're going to have somebody who's be a guest speaker, they're thinking, our congregation is going to think divorce and remarriage is okay. No, we're not saying that at all. It's God redeems everything, Amen. period. Amen. That's he's in the redeeming business. We're not condoning divorce at all. We're saying once that jar's been broken, what are you going to do, leave the pieces in the floor? No, you're going to pick them up just like God redeems all of us in any, in any area. So I got like 10 points that I want to share. And you can listen or you can, or you can just look at, take some notes or however you want to learn. But I just want to go through these real quick. And I've got a couple of bullet points, and then we'll uh, be done here in a few minutes. Here's the first point. The common ingredient in every relationship is love. Common ingredient, every relationship. And unfortunately... We talk about love in a very, you know, uh, loose terms today. I love the Cowboys. Well, okay, I get it. Or I love my car. Okay. Or I love my favorite, you know, food. Okay. But really, those should be deep likes. In other words, there should only be a few things really, really, really set aside to use the word love. A friend of ours who's now passed away, he said once, he goes, I never use the word awesome for anything except the Lord. And I used to say, and I'm not, there's, our pastor used that word a lot. He's a great friend of ours. And all, but I thought, that's right. There's like a certain level of reverence to just say, I'm in awe of. So if we elevate the word love to a higher level, then I think it helps us fix that foundation. What are you really willing to die for? What do, you, what do you really, really, really love? Here's the best way to find out what you love. Look at your checkbook and look at who you spend time with. Those are the, those are the key indicators of what you really, really love. Not what you say you love, but what you really love. 
Look at what you do with your time and look at what you do with your money. That'll be the indicator. Point number two, just go back to 1 Corinthians. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, I think that's the next point. If I could speak of all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, I understood all of God's secret plans. I possessed all this knowledge. I could move mountains. I would, but if I didn't have love, I'm nothing. Nothing. If I gave money to the poor, if I sacrificed my body, if I could do this, if I could do that, I still have gained nothing. Let me tell you where I think Paul is saying we ought to go. What do you do that's intentional expecting Nothing in return. What do you do that's intentional? I was talking to Gina this morning. When I first learned about building relationships years ago in our business, we would have people over to our house for dinner. We'd build a relationship. But my goal really was given to get. I was hoping that relationship would would produce some other fruit. That, that's not it. That's given to get. If you're really giving to give, you have no expectations. You, you deliberately, intentionally reach out, love this friend, become a buddy. How can I give? How can I help? How can I serve? And I expect nothing from him. That's what Paul is talking about. That's how we're supposed to live. And I'll tell you what, there's real happiness and freedom when you're given to give, and there is no expectation, I'm not looking to get nothing back from this. That's how we're supposed to live. That's the point that I think 2 Corinthians is making right here. Which brings up to my third point, as I said a minute ago, we are blended together forever. What do I mean by that? Gina said it best. You know, maybe, whatever, however you see your current relationship, your marriage and everything else, whatever you are, however you got where you're at, it doesn't matter if you left your ex, if she left you, if there was abuse, alcohol, unfaithfulness, this kid, that kid, step kid, I don't care. Wherever you are today, however you got in this relationship, let me give you some real hope. Gina said it, great. Your kids need to see something that works. They've already seen, in most cases, something that didn't work. And here's how God redeems. These are stats. Research says, regardless of what your kids have seen in the past, if they see this current relationship work, love each other, die for each other, loyalty, it gives them security to have a successful marriage and family of their own. That's how God redeems. That's why you have to put a stake in the ground and say, however we got here, Sally, Tim, we put it, this is forever. Whatever we got to do with, this is it. That's what you have to do, especially if you're a blended family. Because statistics say, if you've been on our website, the very video, the, sec- the second, the, the, when, if you've been married before, the likelihood of getting re-divorced is even higher than the first. And it doesn't look any different in the church than the culture. What? That shows you our foundation's messed up. Wait, we're supposed to be the role model for the world. And we don't look any different than the people out there. No wonder they don't see anything different in our marriages and families. We don't look different. 
Jesus said, let our light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify him. So wherever you're at, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if you're first time married, second time married, third time, whatever. Kids, no kids, stepkid, whatever. You make this forever. It's just resolve to do that. Because I guarantee if we didn't do that, it'd been easy to quit along the way. But you can't. That's the third point. Fourth point. Let me give you some of the current statistics that will bring you up to speed and why the church needs to address some of these uh, in the local church. Forty percent of married couples today with children in the U.S. are step couples. That means they've got at least one partner and a child from a previous uh, relationship. When we started this ministry, I used to quote, 95.5 million adults have a step relationship. Well, that statistic has now gone up to 113 million. 113.6 have a step relationship. Approximately one-third of all marriages in the United States today form a step family. Pew Research has stated that 40% of all new marriages are really remarriages, which means one partner had been married or both. In 1960, just 13% of married adults were in a second or subsequent marriage. Today, close to 25% are. That's triple the rate in ni- since 1960. Guys, we're going the wrong direction, aren't we? And of new marriages today, 40% are remarriages. Reports of the Pew Research Center on Adults in America updates, they do these statistic updates in about a year. 42% of all adults have a step relationship, either step-parent, step-brother, step-sibling, half-child, something. And then when you add in, this is just for the adults, by the way. Then when you add in the 11.6 million that are kids, stepchildren in the U.S., 16% of all kids, 16% of all kids, the total is an estimated 113.6 million Americans that have a step relationship. 13% of adults are step-parents, 15% of men are step-dads, 12% of women are step-moms. There are 42 million Americans in the United States who are remarried, according to the U.S. Census Bureau in 2007. And the church doesn't address it. Now, your pastor does. And hopefully there's others that are starting to say, we need to look at seeing who's sitting in our pews on Sunday. It's pushed under the carpet, taboo, let's not address it. Because we don't know how to address it, so let's just kind of play like a pink elephant in the room. We'll just play like it doesn't exist. I don't have time to give you all the issues. For those of you that are in a blended family, you already understand. You deal with loyalty conflicts. You deal with an ex-spouse. You'll deal with discipline issues. You deal with, well, holidays and special days. And, 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 and then there's a package deal of it's not just my spouse. And the kids are good at dividing and conquering because they want, you know, they want their mom this way and they want dad this way. And so they know how to divide and, and they're good. Okay, and it's, they're kids just like any of us. So, of course, I favored my kids when they had a complaint, and I didn't favor Gina's, of course. And, of course, she would tend to favor her kids when, of course, it's natural. When stress thickens in any, any relationship, bloodlines are drawn deep. It's just natural. 
course. So we have issues that the traditional marriage and family program in a church doesn't address. It's been estimated that a typical marriage and family program in a church is meeting about 50%, only half of blended families' needs. Half. It's not enough. It's not good enough. They're not doing enough to prevent re-divorce and stabilize the family. But your pastor is, and that's what's exciting. Those are just the statistics. They're alarming. Let me give you a couple other points real quick in the time we got. Number one, if you're in a blended family, point number five, it's both and. In other words, it's a package deal. If you're in a nuclear family, you get married, the spouse comes first, the kids come second, right? Not in a blended family. In a blended family, the kids come first, and the spouse typically comes second. And so when you're faced with, well, do I, am I loyal to my spouse or am I loyal to my child or am I loyal to my stepchild? You've always got these loyalty dynamics, and it's not either or, it's both and. And that's a tedious way to, to walk. I, I remember one of the stories that I've read through, through the years. It's like th- this uh, mom always had her son in the front seat of the car when they would go anywhere. And all of a sudden, mom gets remarried. And, and all of a sudden, um, well, there's a new guy in the, in the mix now, and he kind of sits in the front seat in the seat, and the eight-year-old child goes in the back seat. Well, that's, that new relationship is in that family. All of a sudden, we got conflict, don't we? And you're just going on a car ride. You're going out to eat. And all of a sudden, you're getting ready to have conflict. And if you're not aware, you go, ah, how do we navigate this one? Well, you could be you know, lord it over and say, well, I'm now the new man, and so you got to get in the back seat, and that, that won't work. You can, you can try that crap, but it won't work. Or you could kind of focus again like love, like we were talking about love, about the other person. This kid's eight years old. He, I'm not even, I don't have history with him. I'm a new kid in his life. Why don't I be the bigger man and say, hey, sit there with your mom, I'll go to the back seat. Then the mom over time, not initially, but over time says, honey, now that Jack is my new husband, I'm going to let him ride in the front seat and I'm going to put you in the back seat when we go to dinner. See, you've got to be sensitive and aware and have this agape love view to be able to navigate some of these issues in a blended family. But it's both and it's not either or. When you're doing this dance together. Point number six. Realignment. Let me tell you a story. It says shotgun. This is, I learned this um, just when my, my older two kids, when I was a single dad. When their mom and I divorced, they, I had this little apartment in Addison, and when they spent the night with me, usually on Mondays and Wednesdays, and we flipped the weekends, first, third, and fifth weekends, they would get uh, out of my apartment, and, and I'd be taking them to school when they were in elementary school, and, and one of them would yell first, shotgun! Well, you know what that means. I get to ride in the front seat. I said it before you, you got to get in the back, and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes... I'd let one ride in the front. No, he said it first. You got to go to the back. And then other times, 
I say, well, you've done it three times, so let your sister do it. And then sometimes, I know I shouldn't have said this, but I did it illegally. I let them both get in there and strap the seatbelt around both of them, take them to school, and hope I wouldn't see a cop. But here's the point that's very, very important for, for all of you in, in, a, in a blended family. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, having dinner with a, with a big group, and this lady that was sitting next to me says, I hear you have a blended family ministry. I said, we do. She goes, oh, it's so good to meet you. We're a blended family. I said, oh, well, tell me your story. She goes, my husband is so great. I said, okay. He knows my kids will always come first and he will always come second. I thought, that dog don't hunt very long, but go ahead, good luck. She, but you, that, you have to, over the course of time, uh-uh. Let me tell you one of the hardest things Hardest things. I understand you feel for your kids. I get it. Been there. And when you're hurt, you make some really stupid vows. I remember telling my kids, I said, don't worry, Dad's here. I ain't going nowhere, and you'll always be first in my life. Well, that was a heartfelt, sincere compliment, but it was a bad vow. It was a bad vow, and that's how Satan works. I want to tell you something. I love what you said, sweetheart, today. Satan is such a liar. I thought, wait a second. You're trying to bring up dirt and crap from years ago right before she speaks. You liar. That's how Satan... And here's how he works. I've, I've learned so much about the spiritual warfare that he tries to come in and usually, usually it's by accusation, fear, intimidation, guilt, shame, whatever, and he's looking for you to agree with him. And you agree with him, just like I did. I made some really bad... I was so mad at my church... Where I was, I thought, I will never walk back in there again, ever. I was so hurt, Satan comes in, I make a vow, it's a bad vow. That's how Satan does it. He comes in as a liar and a deceiver looking for agreement. He was looking for agreement with Gina this morning until she rose up and goes, that's a lie, I had, yeah, I could, but that's all it is. When you realign, it's difficult because I understand the heart. You've actually had probably more time in history with your own kids than your own spouse. So there's like a deep loyalty that has run years. But you've got to realign, not like my friend in, in uh, Arizona. If your marriage and family is going to work, hear me, guys. The marriage has to become first and the kids have to become second. They're eventually going to leave you anyway. <laughs> they will. And you're going to be with each other. you got to make this last forever, so remember that. Point number seven. You got baggage in the trunk, don't you? We all got bags in the trunk. When you come to a new relationship, you know, naively, you can just see the love and everything, but check out what's in the trunk because it's coming into your marriage. I mean, in a step relationship, you could have... 
junk that happened in the ex-spouse's home, and the kids end up bringing it over to your house just as the way it is because you're all connected. So make sure you check the bags, okay? Do it with love, but find out what you're really dealing with. It's like that video that Gina shared. We'd already got past our hurt, so we naively assumed 20 years ago that, well, our kids have gotten through it. No, 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 no. Remember the video? They were back at the start gate. She's got mean eyes. Well, that's where the kids were at the starting gate. We were down the road, but our kids weren't all with us. And we assumed, well, we've got, here we go, happily ever after. No, 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 no. So just remember that. Number eight, let's look at some scripture real quick. When Jesus had finished these sayings, or excuse me, Matthew 19, he left Galilee. He went to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan. Large crowds followed. Some Pharisees tried to trap him. Hey, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, from the very beginning, God made them male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Then why did Moses say in our law that a man could divorce his wife and, and, and give her a written notice and send her away? Jesus said, Moses permitted divorce only because you had hard hearts, but that was not what God intended I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Okay? Let me just say this real quick. You may think God's mad at you. He hates divorce. He doesn't hate a divorced person. That's the truth. He redeems us all. And remember that. Don't let anybody throw guilt, condemnation, shame. That's, that is, again, Satan rearing his ugly head, trying to remind you of the past. Okay? He hates divorce because he hates what it does to families. He hates what it does to people. He's seen the brokenness. Point number nine. We have felt like a modern-day leper in the church. Again, not this one. But when you, when you feel like introducing yourself to somebody else, Gino's telling the story, I think, this morning to somebody saying, well, uh, they say, oh, so tell me about your family. And she says, well, we have seven kids. I go, you've had seven kids? Well, I had kids. I had four. And then he had two. And they kind of go, oh. And we've kind of felt like a, we had leprosy, like a modern-day leper. Like we just don't quite measure up. We're not kind of good enough to be a Christian that's not true, and so that brings us to my last point, point number 10. Help us create a blended family movement. Pastor Ray's already introduced, I don't know, two or three people, and through my, I get text messages and, and all that kind of stuff. He sees the need, and I say to you guys, this last word, quitting is not an option. Wherever you're at right now, whatever your relationship is. We know there's stuff that you deal with, okay? If we can be a resource to you, we've got a website for you to, to do that. There's cards up front. So we're grateful. Thank you for letting us come. Cedric, let me turn it back over to him real quick. Thank you, guys. Q&A? Yes, you guys come on up. We have a couple of questions we're going to ask here. In this, uh, we've got a few minutes, so we're going to ask a got it. Quite a few questions. So, um, you guys kind of touched on a couple of these uh, as you were going through your message. But one was, I thought that was very interesting. 
once I get it back here, is what was the relationship like between the step parent and a biological parent? What was the relationship like? Between the step parent and the biological parent, meaning from a child's perspective? Yes. You know, in, in, uh, in our case, and again, it's different in everybody's case, um, my wife's four boys, her ex-husband kind of checked out. There was no dialogue, no relationship, no emails. It was like they felt really lost, like, gosh, what, what did I do to nothing? But he just kind of checked out. Now, in my kid's case, both my ex-wife and I were very involved in our kid's life. So we saw them kind of grow up with more security because both parents were involved, which leads to a great point. And I know this is going to be hard to digest, but one of the things that we would redo if we could go back, obviously we can't because when we started this, there was nothing available, is learn to co-parent. Mm -hmm. you got to learn to co-parent. That doesn't mean the relationship with marriage is over, but if you can learn that, it's going to be better for the kids. So that was huge. Mm Okay, uh, and leading into that, what about the whole step thing? I know you mentioned it right at the beginning of the service. Uh, I know a lot of times I hear people refer to their kids in a blended marriage as stepped, and uh, I'm not in a blended marriage, but that always kind of didn't sit well with me. How do you guys deal with that? I'll take that one. Um, early on, I didn't like that word. It just was so negative, and so... Um, I, I would introduce, um, like, for example, Casey, our daughter. I would, I would, when I was trying to keep who, when people would say, okay, now who's yours, who's all that, I'd just say, <clears throat> I have two inherited children. I inherited a daughter and a son. So they were my inherited kids. Um, but most of the time I refer to them as our kids. But if somebody wants to know now who, how many were his, who was hers, all that, I just would call them my inherited. I just didn't like the word step. Um, so, and if I could add one thing, ask the kids how they want you to introduce them, ask their opinion. And it's so freeing because at one point, one of her youngest was, he called me dad just out of the blue because he was very little. Now he changed and I'm, and they didn't want to keep that title. So I think ask them. Fantastic. What are some of the challenges in the kids developing together, uh, as they're growing up? For this, you know, two different families. Yeah. You talk about that. I'll, I, that's a good point. Let me, uh, well, go ahead, and then I'll take my. Talk about, well, I, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of the birth order book or know much about birth order. <clears throat> There's distinct um, personality traits with birth order, and the books that we've read on it is it. You know, it spells it out to the T, just about. So when you blend the birth order you know, it collides. So your firstborn may not be your firstborn in the blended family. So go ahead with that. Yeah. And, and here's how you get them all together. Again, you got you to honor the past, but create something new going forward. Let me explain. It's important to have individual biological days. Like maybe your kid is little, you go to McDonald's and get an ice cream cone and play in the balls, and you still got that one-on-one -on -one time. In addition to that, then you have the whole family together, and you don't go back to McDonald's and play. And that's 
special for the biological parent. So you create something new. Maybe you go to the park and pick up some fried chicken or something, but that's about us. So you're honoring the past and you keep that relationship strong and growing, but you also create something new with your new blended family. Okay, uh, here is one here. You mentioned tough times. What is the toughest time you both got through and how did you get through it? I love how he gives me the hard one. Who asked this question? I don't like it. This will just show you the stress that can happen if you're not on the same page. Oh, gosh. Okay, this is, this is, the, this is the real answer you're going to think. Okay, here we go. Transparent, right? Yeah, okay. transparent. All right, so we're going out to dinner. We're trying to have date nights and all. And, and uh, again, her kids were grateful. They had milk in the you know, refrigerator for cereal the next day. Uh, and uh, my kids were at least okay financially. So her kids would freak out when we'd bring leftovers. It would be like a treat, you know, from a restaurant, whether it's enchiladas or whatever we're doing. Well, this one time we're going up the tollway going home, and I called my daughter, and, and uh, she said, I don't want leftovers. And so I go to Gina, I said, well, Casey doesn't want leftovers. And so she goes, oh, it's not good enough for your kids. It's great for my kids. And then I said, this is embarrassing, but I'm just telling you transparent. I said, this is just too hard. Let's get a divorce. And I'm like, holy crap, what just came out of my mouth? So I said the D word, which you never do under any circumstance. I mean, mine was so stupid, it was over leftovers. But it was just at a point when you're so exhausted and you go, I'm done. Yeah, we've all been there. You want to quit, but you don't quit. It's okay to have that fear, that feeling, but you don't act on it. And as soon as that came out of my mouth, I thought, I can't believe that even came out. So that was the, you want to say something else? <laughs> it's kind of funny when we think back about it. It wasn't funny that night. It was kind of, I was kind of stunned. I'm like, of all the hard things we've been through, we're going to call it quits over leftovers? What happened today at your, when, where you were? <laughs> so looking back on it now, it, we can laugh about it, but it was a real, it was a real, really happened. So, but we didn't, we didn't do that, of course, as you know. Well, hey, man, we glad you did. You know, they say it's the small foxes, right? Sometimes that spoils the vine, that spoils the vine. Excellent, excellent. Well, you guys give it up for them on today. I hope you guys got something out. I think it was a great, great service.